0: Hey guys, welcome back to Principles with Corey and Logan. I'm excited about our conversation today because today we're talking about one of my favorite topics and that's leadership. We're talking about courageous leadership. It takes courage to be a leader. And before we jump in, I wanted to just share with you real quick um, about an opportunity that uh, I've got. I'm doing a, uh, we're doing another season of Legacy Builders. It's a great opportunity to get into an environment Of growth, to intentionally place yourself in an environment of growth, to be in a room, a Zoom room in this this case, because we do it on Zoom, uh, to be in an environment where you're around other leaders who are growing and developing, and they want to continue to grow, but not at the expense of other things that are important to them, such as their faith, their family, their fitness. Um, So if you're interested in that, if you're interested in finding out more about that, I'll have a link in the show notes. Uh, but we're launching a new season of Legacy Builders. It'll be a six-month um, growth process, growth journey, where the focus of this season is on personal leadership, personal leadership. You know, the hardest person you will ever lead is you. The hardest person I will ever lead is me. I can get on here and do a podcast or a video or speak in front of a group, and I can shoot it all over you. I can tell you all the things you should be doing, but it's a whole other thing. For me to actually do it. So uh, anyway, I, I want to encourage you if you're interested in getting into an environment of growth, if you're looking for growth, would love to have you uh, join us as we focus on personal leadership. But today in today's podcast, we're talking about courageous leadership. And I was thinking about this, I was doing a training with the team and <clears throat> We've been talking about some laws of leadership, and one of the laws of leadership that we talk about is the law of respect. And what the law of respect says is that people naturally follow leaders stronger than themselves. So, for instance, if on a scale of 1 to 10, I'm a 5-level leader, uh, that means that if people naturally follow leaders stronger than themselves, then an 8 is not going to follow me. An eight, nine, or 10 will not follow me. I will have fours, threes, twos, and ones. But if I if I continue to grow and elevate my ability to lead, then I naturally attract people who are stronger leaders than themse- uh, themselves. So in this law, we talk about uh, the law of respect. So as we grow in our leadership, it's natural that we begin to attract stronger leaders as we grow. And in this law, we talk about there's five ways to gain respect. Number two, not number one, first, number two is respect for other people. You got to respect the people you you lead. And uh, I love one of the things that I've heard along the way on, on my journey is the moment you stop loving your people, the moment you stop caring about the people you lead, that's the moment you need to stop leading. Because at that point, you'll begin to use people. You'll see people as objects. And you'll start to use them instead of truly lead them. So number two is respect for other people. Number three is respect for what you do. You have to have a passion and a respect for the work you do. It doesn't matter the work that you do. Do you respect it? Do you care about doing a job well done, having excellence in everything you do? Number four is courage. And that's where we're going to come back to. We're going to spend some time on courage. Number five is success. You got to go out and win some. As you win, you naturally attract people. People want to be a part of winning teams. And uh, the, the thought is, if you've won, then you're going to help me win too. So I want to be on your team. I want to be a part of what you're doing. Number one, though, is all respect for other people. It begins with respect for you. Respect for you. Do you respect you? You cannot fully respect other people if you don't have self-respect. So all respect for other people actually is an overflow for respect for yourself. So uh, that's a that's a whole topic in of itself that maybe we'll come back to. But I want to go back to this uh, this uh, this one right here on courage. So again, we're talking about gaining respect and gaining respect. You think about courage. Courage, Respect is gained on difficult grounds. I want you to think for a moment, the people you truly respect in your life, the people you have a ton of respect for in your life. You can think back to when you were in school, or when you played sports, you can think back to um, maybe it's a parent or grandparent, maybe it's somebody in your life right now, it's a leader in your life right now, but somebody you have a lot of respect for. Think about the reasons you respect that individual, many times, almost all the time, respect is gained on difficult ground. And that's because people had the courage to do things maybe other people were unwilling to do, or maybe they had the courage not to do some of the things other people were willing to do. So, as we, we think about that, I want you to think about the word courage. And when you hear the word courage, what, what kind of comes to your mind? What's your definition? What, what do you think of when you hear the word courage? I like what Nelson Mandela said. He said, I learned that courage was not the absence of fear, but the triumph over it. The brave man is not he who does not feel afraid, but he who conquers that fear. And I personally have come to understand that the difference between those people who are successful and those who are ultimately unsuccessful is not because one had far superior abilities, not not because one had the most genius ideas, but but because the successful had the courage to bet on those ideas, to take a calculated risk, and to act. So what I did is I went to what I often do. (laughs) I go to my friend Google, and I look up the definition of courage. I want to read you this definition of courage. Courage is the ability to do what frightens one. That's a simple definition. The ability to do what frightens one, I mean, it's exactly like what Nelson Mandela said. It's not the absence of fear because the fear is there, but it's doing what's required anyway. I also like how this definition, it says it's the ability to do what frightens one. <laughs> see, that's personal. So see, see what frightens me may not frighten any of you guys. And, and what frightens you may not frighten me. I mean, I may be afraid to cold call 10 customers or go up to a random stranger to strike up a sales call but that may not be an issue for you. It may not be a problem for you. That may not be something that, that you're afraid of. And, and if you were to take action to call those 10 or go up to that stranger, it wouldn't be considered courageous. That would not be a courageous act because it's not something that uh, you're afraid to do. However, if I did, if I went up and made those sales calls or if I went up and had the courage to uh, take talk to those strangers and have that conversation, even though I was afraid, Uh, That's courage. See, courage is the ability to stand toe-to-toe and look into the eyes of your fear, and you do it anyway. To be above average at anything, above average at anything, no matter what your role is, it it comes down to, to making a choice at times, a choice that we defy the odds and do some things even while we're afraid or The opposite of that choice is to live in safety and in the status quo. So I want to talk to you a little bit about the courage of a leader, courageous leadership. And as I think about this, first off, I think about uh, as a leader, the ability to, to make courageous leadership decisions. One of the greatest skill sets of leaders is the ability to make decisions, decision making. One of my favorite books, uh, Think and Grow Rich by Napoleon Hill. I mean, if you follow in me, you've probably heard me talk about the book Think and Grow Rich a lot of times. And what I like about it is um, the author, Napoleon Hill, he studied the lives of 25,000 people over the course of 20 years. And this was back, it was released in 1930. So he did a study between the early 1900s. And you think about who he's studying. He's studying um, Henry Ford. Andrew Carnegie, Rockefeller. He's studying the Wright brothers. And what he did was he noticed that there were some habits of the 500, 500 of the wealthiest, most successful people in the world that separated them from everyone else. And that's what he wrote his book about is the 13 principles of success that he titled Think and Grow Rich. But in that book, he says that successful people, they have a habit around decision making. He also said that unsuccessful people have a habit around decision-making as well. He said, successful people, they have a habit of making decisions quickly and changing their minds slowly, while unsuccessful people have a habit of making decisions slowly and changing their minds quickly. How about that? Leaders have a habit around decision-making and managers have a habit around decision-making as well. see leaders make decisions based on looking at where they currently are and where they are going. They ask people for input to see if there's a, for their perspective, to see if there's anything they're missing. Then they make a decision based on all the available information. So you think about where are you going, where are you at, and what are your values? Those are... The, the keys to, to keep in mind is you are making decisions as a leader. And I want to go back to his statement about successful people have a habit around making decisions and they make their decisions quickly. And he said quickly, not impulsively, right? Their ability to uh, make quick decisions comes down to what I just said right there of knowing where they're going, knowing where, where they're at, and what their values are. When you understand those things, you can actually make decisions a whole lot faster, even when there's uncertainty involved, because you know where you are, you know where you're going and you know what your non-negotiables are. Then he said, uh, they change their minds slowly. What that means is once they make a decision, they're bought into that idea until it becomes very clear (laughs) that they maybe made the wrong decision, right? So they make their decisions quickly, not impulsively, and then they change their minds slowly because they've they've decided. They made the decision. They bought into that decision. Unsuccessful people, they have a habit around uh, decision-making as well. Like we said, they make their decisions slowly and then change their minds quickly. And I, I don't think it's so much a time thing from what I've noticed. It's not so much that slow at making decisions, but put off making a decision right? You procrastinate. I put off making the decision. When we put off making the decision, we're really making a decision, right? We're making no decision. (laughs) So leaders, we make decisions quickly and change their minds slowly. And I I just want to help you out. I really hope you hear what I'm saying. Um, As you make decisions, you need to make fast decisions. Um, And the way you make fast decisions is you got to know where you're going, have that vision in mind, know where you currently are. And then what do you hold as valuable? So managers, they make decisions based on wanting to keep everybody happy, right? You got you, you got you got to keep everybody happy. So what they do is they take a census and they make decisions based on the majority vote. And let me tell you, consensus of opinion is where we make decisions based on wanting to be fair and wanting everybody to like us as a leader. And I just want you to know that that is not making a leadership decision. Getting everybody in the room, asking everybody for a show of hands, what do you think is our best option here? And then going with the majority vote is not making leadership decisions. That is consensus of opinion. Many times as a leader, the decisions you make have nothing to do with what everybody else wants to do, and 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 I, I want you to hear me out on what I'm saying right here. You get people, you get people's opinions, so you can get their perspective. But as a leader, you see more and before, so you know where people are going. You know where you want to go, and you keep that in mind. And many times, the decisions you make, you have to be okay with uh, maybe maybe being uh, on an island in that decision. So there is a dichot- dichotomy here and and yes, we want people's opinion, we need their perspectives on those uh, you know with, on our team because their input gives us that perspective. It also creates buy-in, but we can't make decisions based on majority but it's based on where we're going. And I've got a friend he used to say all the time, you got to meet people where they are. You got to meet people where they are and you don't need to be answering questions no one is asking is asking. And you know, I get that. I understand that. I get that. But I found as a leader Because you see more and before those that you lead, they need answers to questions they don't even know exist. So we want to answer questions they don't even know to ask. The average person only sees the day, but the leader sees tomorrow. You meet your people where they are, and then you take them where they have the potential to be. And as we talk about this, I think about what Henry Ford said. He said, if I would have asked the people what they wanted, (laughs) they, they would have said a faster horse, right? He didn't just meet people where they are. He didn't just meet culture where it was. He took culture and the people where they had the potential to be, right? A leader does not deserve the name unless he is willing to occasionally stand alone. That's what Henry Kessinger said. Many times in your decision making, you'll find yourself alone. And In a moment of decision, the best thing you can do is the right thing. The next best thing you can do is the wrong thing, but the very worst thing you can you can do is nothing at all. That's what Teddy Roosevelt said. And I totally, totally agree. I, I see many people, they're wavering in their decision making because they're afraid of making the wrong decision. And and they end up not making the decision. And what happens is only once we make a decision that we get feedback. Once I choose to decide and take action, now I've got a little feedback. Did I make the right decision or did I make the wrong decision? If it's the wrong decision, now I can correct it. But as long as I stand there and do nothing, (laughs) I have no feedback, right? So as a courageous leader, you're going to have to be courageous in your decision-making. Number two is courage to lead people, not just please people. Man, that was a hard lesson for me. (laughs) Uh, Moving from people pleaser to actually leading people and You know, we have this saying, I was in the Boy Scouts (laughs) and in the Boy Scouts, we would go camping and we would have this saying when we would go camping that uh, you need to leave the place better than you found it. And I want to take that and I want us to apply it to leadership. We want to leave people better than we found them. The people that come underneath our leadership, people that come into our world. We always talk about change your world. Don't, Don't be responsible for somebody else's world. Be responsible for your world. But the people that come into your world, you want to leave them bigger and better after they've been underneath your leadership than they were prior to coming underneath your leadership. They're better off having known you than before they actually knew you. So whether that's 15 years, 15 months, 15 days, or 15 minutes, you want to look for ways to help people become better. And the ultimate test of a person's leadership is the health of the person or the organization after that leader is gone. And it takes courage to truly lead people. As a leader of people, you got three things that you're ultimately responsible for. Many, many things you can delegate, many things you can hand off, but three things you definitely cannot. Number one is vision. That's where you're going, right? Having a clear vision and direction that allows people to buy in. is like, yes, I want to be a part of that. No, that's not what I'm looking for. Um, I've shared my story on vision a couple of times. You can go back and listen to some previous episodes on the importance of of vision, But when you're clear on your vision, it allows people to say, yes, that's what I want to be a part of, because people are looking for community. They want to be a part of something, not just do a task. They want to be a part of something. By having a clear vision, they get the opportunity to say, your thing is what I want to be a part of, or no, that's not right it doesn't make them good or bad it doesn't make you good or bad but it allows people to say yes or no clearly number 2 is reality if if vision is where we're going reality is where we're at and you want to constantly as a leader be defining reality as it is not as we wish it would be as hope it would be or shoulda coulda woulda been right it's as it truly is the third thing that as a leader we are responsible for is alignment and that's where we make the ask we ask for the commitment when we ask for the commitment, you lose the uncommitted and you gain the committed, right? You know, there's many people that have um, good intentions. <laughs> you know, hey, who wants to be a part of this? Oh, I do. And the intentions are good. But then when you ask for the commitment, I had this thing, you know, uh, this uh, I had this thing come up, right? So when we ask for the commitment, we actually lose the uncommitted and we gain the committed. When we look to lead people instead of please people, the key is setting upfront expectations. And, and we go ahead and set the expectations up front. We, we have to have these me expectations. That's what you can expect from me. This is how I'm, I, I, you know, what you can expect of me as a leader. And there's the you expectation. That's what I expect out of you. And then there's these we expectations as a team. This is our expectations, but you have to set those expectations up front before emotions get too involved and uh, one of the things John Maxwell talks about is we want to balance care with candor when we lead people it requires both it, it, it requires care but it also requires candor see when we have care without candor it creates dysfunctional relationships when we have candor without care it actually creates distant relationships but care balanced with candor it creates developing relationships see when i when I when I care care says that Uh, I value the person, while candor says I value your potential. Care will establish the relationship, while candor, it expands it. See, when I care, it'll help shore up weaknesses, but candor brings out your strengths because there's an expectation. I see you here. This is the expectation level that I have for you, right? That's the accountability. Accountability is an account for your ability, not just your inability, the world, will be, man, the world will easily tell you the things you're not good at. Leaders see the talent and potential and say, hey, this is what I see in you. I, I, I see this level way up here in you. This is my expectation. I want you to live at this place, at this level, right? Care helps to make the team pleasant, but care or candor balance makes it productive. The last thing I wanna talk about is, is courage to stand on integrity. As a leader, our words and our actions need to align up, right? No cutting corners. We want to do things with excellence, excellence, even in the small things. So I can remember uh, many of you know that we own a couple of gyms. We own um, physical therapy clinics. And one of our, our gyms is a CrossFit gym. And if you're familiar with CrossFit, it's all these, wild, constantly varied exercises. It's all good. I, I liked it. And I was at the gym one day, and the workout that we had programmed was five rounds, right? And oftentimes I would, because I led the classes, I would not work out with people, so I I worked out on my own. And many times it was during my lunch break. And this one day uh, I was working out as lunchtime, and I'm here in Mississippi, okay lunchtime in july it's like 187 degrees so i'm working out at lunch there's some running outside involved and i get to about round three and i'm pretty tired i mean it's hot right midday and this thought just kind of crosses my mind this thought was you know you could go ahead and stop three rounds that's pretty good You've already got three rounds. I mean, nobody would even know except for me. I'm not going to I'm not even going to put it on the board. I'm not going to post my time. Nobody I didn't check in. So nobody even knows that I'm here. Right. I, I can stop it. Good enough. Nobody would know it except me. Now, maybe I can just trim the reps was another thought. And and then all these justifications started kicking in. I mean, it's hot. I got a good workout in, that's good enough. But I also know that how you do anything is how you do everything. I I I know that I know as you're listening, you may be thinking, but would you really, you know, cut a corner or do less for a client because you did three rounds instead of five? (laughs) Maybe. Maybe not. But see, the standard would have been set and the door would have been cracked open for the possibility to be substandard. And we want to have excellence in everything. And I want to read you this proverb real quick. And I, I'm, many of you know, I've, I've written my first book called Heart of the Father. I'm working on a second book right now, and it's more in the vein of leadership. It's, um, it's 31 Days of Wisdom for Leaders, and it's based off the book of Proverbs. And uh, uh, before I jump into this proverb, I just want to say this, that uh, what I love about Proverbs is that it is it is a leadership handbook. Okay, you think about the author of uh, Proverbs or most of the Proverbs. It's Solomon. Well, Solomon, his dad was David. He was the king of um, king of Israel, there, Jerusalem, and. Um, <clears throat> He has an affair with a lady by the name of Bathsheba and uh, a prophet comes to him and says, hey, the baby's going to die. But you know what? You will have another child. And this child, his name is going to be Solomon and he will be uh, your successor. He will actually be king in your place. So I want you to think about that. So from the very moment before Solomon is even born, he is announced, proclaimed king, the next king of Israel. So from birth, he's, he's taught how to lead. He's taught how to lead a nation. He's taught how to lead a group of people and to lead at a high level. So so as you read Proverbs, look at it through the lens of leadership, and uh, it, it's, it's kind of interesting. That's what the um, 31 Days of Wisdom book that I'm working on right now is about. So this is Proverbs 31, 4 through 5, and the Passion Translation it says, For you are a king, Lemula, and it's not fitting for a king to be drunk on wine or for rulers to crave alcohol. For when they drink, they forget justice and ignore the rights of those in need, those who depend on you for leadership. Now, before these verses in Proverbs 31, King Lebula, his mom, has given him some some advice, very similar to what I was saying. She's telling him that no doubt, specific temptations would come his way and he needed to decide upfront that he would not participate in what others may get away with because he now had a position of great influence and responsibility. She's encouraging uh, him, her son, to use his position to lay himself down in order to serve those he's called to lead. His mom tells him that wine is not for a king, that, that others can participate in that. And you know what? You may have done that in the past, but it should no longer be your way of life. She's saying that you are now in a role where others are depending upon you and the decisions you make now impact others outside of yourself. Now, I, I want to say this. This is not a proverb about getting drunk and, uh, and uh, against alcohol and wine and, and drinking and all that stuff. It's, a, it's about activities that others may, may be able to get away with. But once you put on your hat of leadership, once you step into the position of leadership, you have to put certain things to the side. Leaders must give up in order to go up because now you're in a place of serving others, not to be served. That's what leadership is. People want to be in leadership all the time. And, and, and the question is, why? Why do you want to be in leadership? <laughs> because most people, they look at the perks, they look at the, the prizes, and, and they like the perks and the prizes, but they don't like to count the cost. And there's a price to leadership, and that price is in service other people. So as we think about this, this begs the question of why. Why should other people get to have all the fun, right? Why should others get to do whatever they want to do whenever they want to do it? And it's because true leadership is laying aside your personal self-serving agenda to serve others and lead them into destinies they can't even imagine, destinies they can't even fathom. That's the role of a leader. Just because other people in the industry you're in do things, get away with taking shortcuts. That's not the way that we will lead other people. Others may rip people off, but we choose not to. Others may treat their employees as objects and tools to meet, uh, you know, objectives and, and all, but we choose not to. We, we choose to see people we lead through the lens of I'm a person of value, and so are they. Others may still cheat. We choose to serve and exceed expectations. So as a leader, it takes courage to be a leader, courage to make decisions, courage to stand with integrity, right? I hope today has added value to you. I really do. I felt like I was coming at you there just a little bit. I'm sorry, I just get a little passionate, right? A little passionate about leadership um, because I, I know that this world is in need of leaders who lead from a pure heart. Leaders have clean hands and a pure heart who lead from a pure conscience, pure motives, who stand on truth and justice, unwilling to take bribes, unwilling to take backroom deals, unwilling to cut corners and do fraudulent things, right? Leaders like that in all streams of society. We need leaders like that. So I hope today has encouraged you. I hope it has. I hope, uh, hey, if it has, I would really love to hear some feedback. Feel free to comment um, in the the comment section below, make sure that you subscribe, like, subscribe, do all that stuff. So you can stay up to date with any of the latest episodes of principles with Corey and Logan. Hope you guys have a great day and God bless.